Good morning, church. Morning, family. Morning. Man, you need you got you got have breakfast just now, right? Okay, so no excuse for that the low energy. We need to have good energy this morning. We're only allowed to be outside of home for like a few hours, so we really need to make the most of it. Okay, I'm gonna take this microphone and let's see if I can make this work. Yes, I can. It's a long cable. I'm going to ask Leanne, because we're going to read a few passages, and I don't want you guys to be bored with my manly voice. So Leanne is going to give the sweet voice that we need this morning when we read the Word of God. Um, it's good to see you. I don't know how you spend your week, if you did anything exciting, anything out of the ordinary, if you... Uh, we, Gabby and, and I, the few moments that we're able to relax at home, we, we go on Netflix or one of those streaming networks because we don't have time to just be zapping and try to figure out what to watch. So we went to Disney Plus, which is something very new in our household. Someone shared with us. So we were fortunately we don't have to pay for it. Um, but we decided to, we put Hamilton, something that is called Hamilton. It's a Broadway show. How many of you know about that Broadway show? Did you guys see it? Did you guys watch it? Yes, some of you. What did you, what did you think about it? Loved it. It's amazing. So if you don't have anything to do this Sunday afternoon at home during quarantine, I'm the coolest pastor ever. I don't tell you guys to read the Bible. I tell you to go to Disney Plus and, and watch a Broadway show. It's a couple of hours, two hours and a half, actually. It's quite long. But if you watch that, I believe that you're going to be very inspired. You're going to really see how much talent some of these artists have. And it's a really beautiful story based on, on reality, based on facts, on how the United States were born. Um, but the, this play made me really think about the power of storytelling. This author and thinker that many of you know, Jordan Peterson, he makes the case that we think using stories. We think in stories. Stories help us understand who we are and help us understand our place in the world. And that is why we like TV shows. We like movies so much. And God made sure that we had stories that would help us understand who he is and why he created us. The stories of the Bible are actually the most important stories that we need to tell. The, the stories of the Bible are the most important stories that we need to hear time and time again because they not only impact our lives today with our choices today, but stories of the Bible have an impact that goes beyond this world. It goes into re to eternity. So here we are. We are in a very exciting message series called Face to Face, where we unfold stories of people who met Jesus in the eye, who saw Jesus in the eye, and their lives were changed forever. And now these stories are an invitation for us to allow God to come inside our hearts and also change our lives forever. So we're going to get ready to dive in another story of the Bible. Last week, Abby spoke about John chapter 3, Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. And time and time again, uh, this morning, Jesus is bringing up the word encounter, encounter with God. So we're going to speak about another encounter. And today we're heading to John chapter 4, the chapter right next to chapter 3. So Leanne, if you can read from this screen, hopefully the letters are going to be uh, big enough. 
So we're going to read John chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. It's that, this microphone. Not yet, not yet. It's, it was Yeva's microphone. Hello? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So John the Baptist, if you don't know, he was a preacher that was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. He was the son of God. And the Bible shows us that as Jesus was becoming more popular than John the Baptist, that Jesus was making more disciples than John uh, the Baptist, he was having more followers. Jesus was just starting to gain his celebrity status back at that day. The Bible says that Jesus leaves and he goes to Galilee. It was basically if someone was trying to be famous, if they were living in London or Paris and they decided to move to the countryside. Jesus did exactly the opposite of what most people want to do on this earth. And this tells us so much about who Jesus is and his position, his motivation in the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't driven by fame, by number of followers, or, or his name branding. Jesus' only motive was to fulfill the will of God the Father, and period. So let's continue reading. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So it's amazing that a story that seems so simple, we have so much to think about. So Jesus and his disciples, they were on their way to Galilee, that was up north. And the Bible tells us that they had to go through Samaria. But if you lived back at this time, you knew that Jews weren't supposed to go through Samaria. The Jews and the Samaritans were fighting cousins. There was bad blood between them. It was a very complicated political religious mess. Jews and Samaritans wouldn't speak to each other at all. And Jews, if we have a map that we can put, usually Jews would take or the brown road, or the red road, just in order to not go through Samaria. But Jesus didn't obey the status quo. Jesus didn't take the most traveled roads. He didn't accept the socially accepted prejudice. Why? Because the will of God isn't found in the status quo. And if we are pursuing the will of God for our lives, it means that God will take us through the less traveled roads. Now people will look at you and they will think that you're making a big mistake. People will judge you. People will probably even mock you with your decisions. 
And I'm sure that the disciples were shocked with Jesus' decision to go through Samaria. But Jesus was someone confident in their walk, in his walk, because he knew that miracles would only happen if we seek the perfect will of God and not just the approval of man. And the Bible shows us that this woman came for water at an unusual time of the day. And she also came alone because typically women came for water earlier in the day before the sun was, was high in the sky and they also came in groups. Seeking water wasn't something that people did on their own. And as we continue the story later on, just a little spoiler, we learned that this woman probably didn't have a good reputation in the village. She probably wasn't friends with any other women in that village. So she made sure she would go fetch water at the time the, the heat was mostly unbearable so that she would avoid finding people, interact with people that have people looking at her, people judging her. But she looks at Jesus, a guy that is just sitting by that well, a guy that doesn't look that he's from there. And she thinks, well, I wonder what that guy is just doing there, but... I usually wouldn't go where someone else is at, but I really need the water. I've waited until this time, so I cannot delay this anymore. And she is minding her own business when she hears this request. Please give me a drink. Now, she knew that the guy, based just on his looks, he was probably not from that village. But the moment that she heard, please give me a drink, she definitely knew that he wasn't from around. And, mo and, and she knew, based on just his accent, that this guy was a Jew. Now, she was shocked, the most shocked she's ever been in her lifetime. In all her life, she had never seen a Jewish person speak to a Samaritan. Even more, speaking to a Samaritan woman, because Jewish men wouldn't never ever dare even to speak to their wives in public. So thank God that times have changed. And thank God that Jesus was the one that set the example of breaking the status quo, of breaking customs and cultures that had nothing to do with the will of God for our lives. But this really made me question. If Jesus was with us physically today, who would we see him speak to that would shock us? Because we all have this tendency only to hang out with people we agree with. That see the world the same way that we see it. People that fit perfectly in our culture, in our customs. But if the gospel is for everyone, someone needs to go to everyone. And Jesus is this someone. Jesus is this someone who isn't afraid of going to anyone. And Jesus wants his church, the body of Christ, to be this someone who isn't afraid of going and speaking to anyone, of being friends with anyone, of, of sharing life with anyone, because that is who Jesus is. And this is who Jesus called us to be. Leanne, if you can continue, please. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, 
and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his that than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I, I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them internal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. So this dialogue starts now making much sense because Jesus is speaking A, the lady is speaking in B, and it doesn't seem that they're connecting. All that this woman was thinking about at that time was water. Water was the need that she had at that moment. And Jesus is explaining she was going to get thirsty again uh, and sometime soon. And now she's surprised by the news that God had a gift for her. News that God not only had, uh, had seen her, not only that God knew exactly who she was, but that he was interested in her life. And he wanted to do something about her needs, about the needs of her soul. And I know that we all spend so much time trying to fix things, trying to solve things, trying to <laughs> just to get more things. And we make our lives all about our issues, about our needs. And very soon, we thirst again. When God is right there, just waiting to give us living water. When God is just right there waiting and anxious to create this spring of living water right within us. So that we don't, or we are never thirsty again. And how many times do we keep God waiting? How many times do we tell God, God, now, right now, because I am meeting my needs. I am fulfilling my needs. I'm going after what my heart desires. I'm going after what is lacking right now. So, God, you stay there, and I'm going to go fetch what I need. Why did so many times we keep running after things when Jesus tells us straight away, we're going to be thirsty again? So let's continue reading. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So even in, in the world of today we're Divorce is something so common, most people, I believe, would still be shocked by how many times this woman changed partners. Now, even if we are shocked today, imagine the world back then, the culture back then. This woman was in her sixth relationship, and the person he was with at that time wasn't even the man she was married with. Now, Jesus didn't take this time to shame this woman in any way, but he took this opportunity to show her that he was a prophet, that he was a man of God, and that he had this authority on earth. So let's continue reading. So tell me, 
Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Jerusalem, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. So now that she heard that Jesus is a prophet, she, she was struggling with this question for a long time. Her people, they were struggling with this question for a long time. So since this man is a man of God, he is a prophet, I'm going to ask him the million-dollar question. And hopefully he will answer once and for all. Who is right about where we should worship God? The Jews or the Samaritans? This was the question that people were asking, the question that was dividing the Jews and the Samaritans for a long, long time. So if you are a man of God, if you know the word of God, if you know what is the heart of God, please answer this question once and for all. Who is right, the Jews or the Samaritans? And today we keep asking the same questions and questions that divide us. We have raised uh, these barriers in our culture and in our way of doing things, and we want God to pick a side. God, who is right? Right wing or left wing? Who are you for? Liberals or conservatives? People who drink alcohol or people who don't drink alcohol? People that eat meat or people who do not eat meat? Should we have tattoos, or should we not have tattoos? And we raise all of these questions, and we spend time, oh, only if I, if I knew what God was for, if only God was a little bit more specific on who is right and who is wrong. But Jesus is very wise. And Jesus simply answers, very soon, that's not going to matter. Very soon, that's not going to matter anymore. Whether if it's a religious question, a political question, a tradition, soon it's not going to matter. So many times we make our lives, even our Christian lives, a battlefield about who is right and who is wrong about this and that, when most things very soon will not matter anymore. This question seemed very big at that time. It was important. It was dividing two peoples from even contacting with each other. But this question was nothing in light of eternity. Jesus says the Father is simply looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. The Father, our God, is simply looking for people who worship him in spirit and in truth. And we need to pursue to worship him in spirit. We need to to pursue to worship him in truth. And if that is God is looking for, that's what we need to pursue and leave distractions behind. Leanne, please continue reading. 
The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So everyone knew that the Messiah was coming. Everyone was expecting for this man of God to come and clarify everything, to change the world forever, to bring peace into the world. And as soon as this woman understands that this man is claiming, claiming I am the Messiah, this little piece of information makes her leave her water jar behind and run back to the village. She just needs to tell someone. Have you ever had that experience that you got such a good news that you really, really need to tell someone? You rush, you rush to your phone, you rush back home because you want to say the good news. You cannot keep that good news just for yourself. You want to share it. And that's exactly what this woman felt. This woman that didn't want to meet anyone. This woman that was so shy, so embarrassed, so, so, so shut in her own world. Now she's in the middle of the street shouting, come and see the Messiah. I have found the Messiah. He's just outside the village. Come with me. He told me everything I ever did. Come. I'm sure that this man, he needs to be the Messiah. And this tells me that this woman had an encounter with Jesus. This woman had an encounter with Jesus that it transformed her life forever. It was no longer about her. It was no longer about her shame. It was no longer about her past. It wasn't no longer about her emotions. It was no longer about her shyness. It was about Jesus. It was about the Savior of the world. This reaction is the reaction of someone who met Jesus face to face. And her life was changed forever. Now these disciples of Jesus... Jesus' disciples had been with Jesus for much longer, much, much longer than this woman. At least more than the five minutes that Jesus had been with her. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, that was the fact by which they left everything behind. Those who were fishermen, they left their nets behind in order to follow Jesus. And they went into the city to get bread. But they had told no one that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was right there just outside of the village. And this made me think that most of us Christians are not like the Samaritan woman. We're like these disciples of Jesus. We go about our lives without even remembering that we're encountering people that also need Jesus, just like us. How many times do we go about our work in our workplace? We go to university, university we go grocery shopping, we, we go and do our activities, but we leave no trace 
of the love of God. The Bible in 2 Corinthians, it's not on the screen. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says that we are the sweet fragrance of Jesus in this world. And this is a tragedy. When we see that the disciples, they had this treasure. They had this sweet fragrance within them. And they spent time in that village, but no one knew that they were followers of Jesus. That they were following the Savior of the world. That they were following the Messiah. And that the same way that they had an encounter with Jesus, all those people in the village, they needed to have an encounter with Jesus. So my question for us this morning, and I include myself in this, how are we leaving his mark wherever we go? Let's continue reading. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My food is to do the will of God and to accomplish his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both planter, both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get together the harvest. So while the disciples were worried about earthly food, they were talking about earthly food. Jesus replies, replies about spiritual fulfillment. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of God. Jesus isn't saying that you don't need to eat. You actually need to eat. But he is saying that there are things in life that are more important than food. My friends, there are things in life more important than what you eat. There are things in life that are a lot more important than what you dress. Things in life more important than money. Things that are more important than possessions. And in the beginning of this story, this woman was so focused in getting her water. The disciples were so focused in getting their bread that none of them were aware of what was the will of God for that time, for that moment. And that's where we all tend to fail. We focus on things that are important. Yes, we all need them. And the Bible says that God knows that we need them and he's going to provide at the right time. That's why he gives us jobs so that we're able to provide for ourselves and our families. But there are things that are more important than money. Things that are more important than food. And the Bible tells us we need to seek the kingdom of God first. And then all the other things, God is going to take care of it for us. But we tend to be like this woman. We tend to be like the disciples. We get so focused that we're not in tune with what the will of God is. We're not in tune with the Holy Spirit when he says, you need to go speak with this someone. You need to share the good news of my love with this person. We're not aware of the moment when Jesus is actually saying, wake up and look around. 
We are waiting, always waiting for God to tell us that it's the right time when Jesus is telling us exactly now, now it's the right time. The harvest is ready. The time has come. And Jesus wants to bring men, women, and children into his kingdom, into the light of God, into God's world, into God's love. But we need to be willing and available to work in the field. The time has come for us to serve him. There's nothing more fulfilling in life than bringing people to eternal life. There's no greater joy that we can experience as born-again Christians than seeing someone being born again. See that spring of living water just starting to, to rush through someone's life and changing them forever. Just lift your eyes, look around. God has put you in the right place. You're living in Lisbon right now, not by chance, but by the will of God. You're working in the place that you're working by the will of God. You're meeting the, the people that are coming to you by the will of God. And it's about time that we look at them not as a business opportunity, not just because we need to make friends, not just because they look really cool people and we want to hang out with them, not just because it's the same person that sits there in the metro station and I don't know them. These are the people that God is bringing you to. Wake up and look. See that the harvest has come. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not, because, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And I want to invite the worship team to come. These Samaritans, they believed in the message given by this woman. And I don't know how to put these thoughts together if they knew that this woman had such a bad reputation. If they knew that this woman avoided speaking to to anyone, that this woman didn't have any friends, that this woman was so ashamed of her life, so ashamed of her past. She is telling us, come and see, I have found the Messiah. It must have meant something for them. It must have meant that this woman, if she was willing to raise her voice, if she was willing to put herself to shame like that, or she was just mad, or she was absolutely right about the man that was just sitting outside of their village. And they decided to give this woman a chance. Let's go see. The Bible says that they really, they, they, they all flooded out just to go outside of the village. They believed in the message given by this woman. Just like the church is called to proclaim the message of the gospel, to proclaim that Jesus is close, that Jesus and the love of God is not far away from them. 
And they came to see Jesus. Now they saw Jesus for themselves. Now they heard Jesus. They experienced Jesus. And they had a collective, collective reaction to Jesus. Jesus, stay with us. Jesus, please don't leave. Please stay. Stay. We want you. We believe in you. This woman, she was right. We spread the good news of Jesus right now, today. But the transformation happens when Jesus is experienced by people. When people meet Jesus for themselves. And my grandparents, they told me about Jesus. My friends told me about Jesus. The church tells people about Jesus. But lives are changed when people experience and meet Jesus on their own. I want you to invite you to stand up. And I still remember the day when I heard the message Be safe. 